this is the podcast Acting for Sustainability. Our goal is to help you raising your awareness in your everyday life decisions regarding consumption and production. So for today's podcast, we are Luna, Louise and Karina. And today we are going to interview a really special guest, who is... I'm Avid Pomek. I'm an assistant professor here at Kelsey University in the Risk and Environmental Sciences discipline. Um, my current research is focusing on sustainability transformation, actually, to be more precise, the abrupt and rapid sustainability transformation. How can we transform our societies into sustainability, both from the climate mitigation aspect, but also the overall trans- um, transformation uh, regarding health and uh, and consumption, obviously, that you are focusing on today. Could you have like a brief presentation of uh, what you are doing? Oh, well, yeah. So um, my current research is focusing on uh, what I've called exponential climate action. So um, I, I think i gotta got to explain the exponential part a little bit, uh, but that might sound a bit puzzling, but it's just very simply put, not taking steps like one, two, three, four, but taking steps like two, four, eight, 16 and forwards, simple high school math. So um, putting the great, um, or let's say even ambitious target of reaching 1.5 degrees Celsius as set out by the IPCC and the, and the Paris Agreement, uh, we need to halve global emissions uh, in a decade, so by 2030, no later than 2030, and continue halving every decade. So uh, in order to achieve that, we also need to accordingly transform our society. And that involves, um, yeah, the concept of sustainability overall. So we need to, uh, yeah, uh, reduce our demand, reduce our consumption, or at least adopt sustainable trans- uh, sustainable consumption. And at the same time, uh, reduce greenhouse gas emissions, but also adopt uh, practices that would actually help us in doing so. So that's exactly what I'm what I'm focusing on. So what are the solutions and how can we implement them that will help us uh, achieving this ambitious goal by uh, exponentially reducing emissions on a year-to-year basis. Yeah, regarding what you have been researching, what uh, role plays research in sustainable development goals? Well, um, it's one of the critical, um, I would say, I would argue the most critical aspect, obviously. We certainly need uh, a knowledge base uh, about how to do that. Well, it's not very new about um, how to mitigate climate change, how to mitigate these global problems. But what is new, how can we do it uh, within the time frame that we have left? Um, so we are at a planetary emergency you now. Um, we are seeing already the science of a destabilized planet, the record-breaking uh, extreme events like bushfires in Australia we have observed this year and last year. Um, um, the, the the refugee crisis, huge inflow of refugees, climate refugees and civil war refugees that are coming in. So we are we are seeing the urge of acting now. And um, um, the research of sustainability, so the first step towards that is actually to create this knowledge. How can we tackle this at a, at a speed, at a rate actually that is required now? As I have just mentioned, so acting incrementally wouldn't be enough. What we are looking at is a, is, a, is a mega challenge, is a major challenge for humanity. And we really need to act first. So uh, I would argue that uh, the, the contribution of research into sustainability or research around sustainability should produ- produce us this knowledge. So how can we achieve sustainability, achieve those sustainable, sustainable development goals by 2030 
but at the same time continue acting towards the sustainability and sustain these changes so that we can also achieve the the climate goal and the, and the and solve the other challenges that the humanity has on their hand uh, at the moment so do you think there uh, is enough research uh, done or doing for in order to achieve these goals or should it be done more uh, unfortunately not not in my experience i would say particularly well the the disciplines that are designed around sustainability uh, climate change mitigation or social transformation obviously there uh, there is an increasing um, um, adoption of this um, this framework of research around sustainability but um, unfortunately when i look at other disciplines like um, traditional disciplines like physics chemistry um, or, or business, uh, to be honest, I see that uh, the sustainability is coming as a as a concept to be to be that is getting embedded into this research. But I don't see that is happening enough. So uh, yeah, so I would I would urge um, what I always like to say that every business school actually should include courses around uh, around sustainability and on sustainability in their in their curriculum. Uh, but also in their research, uh, sustainability shouldn't be, it's just a side theme that you can address and just uh, uh, get away with it. But I would say that should be at the core of, of those research. So, um, yeah. So to answer your question, no, I, I don't see this is happening enough. And I would urge that it should happen substantially more than is happening currently now. So what you mentioned about the time frame, uh, what do you think? If is it achievable, or are we going to in the right direction with what we are doing right now to achieve this time frame, or should there be a drastic change? Um. So, uh, two questions. So, uh, could we achieve it the way we are acting now, or the way we are progressing now? No, we wouldn't. We wouldn't stand any chance. As a matter of fact, the recent uh, recently published um, uh, NDG, the National Determined Contributions. Um, uh, a synthesis report from UNFCCC clearly shows that the pledges that the current, uh, the current, currently the countries made actually only achieve a reduction of one percent by 2045, whereas we need to achieve a reduction of 45 percent according to the, uh, um, according to the, according to the estimates that the, the climate science has made. So uh, no, the current action wouldn't wouldn't take us anywhere anywhere even near. So, uh, but am I optimistic that we would achieve that? Yes, I am optimistic. I am, I'm an optimistic person. And I do think that if, if societies step up and um, if everyone act as the way it is necessary, it would be possible. And there is still a light at the end of the tunnel um, that um, uh, we, will, we will do this. But uh, as I said before, that we really need to act fast and act now and, uh, and, and adopt sustainability in every core of our life. And what are the key factors for individuals to improve according to sustainability? Key factors. Um, well, um, I think that um, also leads to sort of a philosophical questions um, um, that often raise that do individual actions really matter? Um, uh, um, and because we're just tiny part of this great universe, right? But um, uh, as a matter of fact, if you look at the problems that we are addressing, be it climate change, being, be it poverty, be it whatever, but this is the, the, res, uh, the resulting problem or the factor is actually a, a, a result of our individual action that collectively led us to, to those problems. So if you, what I say always that if you could be part of the problem, we could also be part of the solution. So uh, individual role is really, really vital there. And um, 
when we talk about climate solutions, uh, solutions like uh, reducing food waste, um, uh, sustainable consumption, uh, be it be it food, be it be it other materials, um, uh, choice of our transport, choice of our energy, where is our electricity coming from? These are all individual choices, and the major factor that could actually drive those individual transformation is the is the information flow. First of all, every individual should be aware of the problem, first of all, and also should be aware of the solutions. How can we solve these problems? And uh, then actually that has to be supported by the infrastructure and policy that, that we have around so that they can go hand in hand to enable the individuals to transform. And what are your individual actions in your everyday life? So, so far what I have uh, achieved that I, I substantially reduced my, my um, flights uh, my air flights, I used to travel a lot um, that I have substantially reduced almost by 90%, I would argue. Um, I am not a vegetarian, but I, I have substantially reduced my uh, meat intake. So that's what we adopted as well. Um, yeah, so I am still driving a, a fossil fuel car, I have to admit that, but I'm, I'm trying to, uh, I only use it when it's absolutely necessary. Um, so whenever I can, I, I, I travel by bike as I said, and I use public transport. So that's, uh, that means that I'm, 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 I'm planning to switch into a uh, more sustainable options like hybrids or electric vehicles. So these are just, just a few, but, um, um, and I think uh, one, of the, one of the major things that I'm doing is actually being vocal, that I would argue uh, to everyone that what I said, that uh, encouraging individuals and um, um, making this information flow going so um, uh, make them aware of what are the what the challenges are and how can they solve it. What are the what, what the solutions are? So yeah, that's something uh, I have been trying as well. And yeah. especially our goal, goal twelve, the consumption. What's your impression about the Swedish people, about the people in Karlstad, how they are acting with this? Yeah, and maybe in comparison with uh, where you have lived before or studied before. When it comes to goal goal uh, twelve, sustainable sustainable consumption and and, and production, I think, uh, well, all all goals are very important. But what is what is unique about this goal is actually kind of touches upon three major uh, sustainability challenges that we are having now. So if you look at uh, the target twelve or three and twelve or four that are that are about uh, reducing chemical pollution. So uh, the pollution in general, uh, globally, or handling chemicals properly. Uh, goal twelve uh, point four is about reducing food waste. So that and then finally twelve point nine that is about uh, or twelve point c it's a new target um, that's um, about uh, eliminating fossil fuel subsidies so, and all that. So um, I think these are actually three um, um, cornerstones I would say that in the both in this, uh, in terms of climate change mitigation, social transformation, and um, uh, sustainability transformation, um, to this, and what is Sweden doing about it? I would say that Sweden Sweden is doing a tremendous job. What's my experiences so far, and uh, what do you see? Seventy percent of the electricity um, uh, that is used in Sweden is is from the renewable resources, and actually, in very near future, it will be difficult to get um, uh, electricity from fossil fuel in Sweden. And as a matter of fact, it's cheaper than getting fossil um, electricity from the fossil fuel. So that's 
that's on the consumption side, you see the sustainability changing. And um, Sweden has also a very strict uh, regulation and a framework to control to, um, the chemical pollution. So how it is discharged, where it is discharged, and um, also regarding the waste recycling, uh, which which is been developing uh, since uh, during the years I have been living here. Uh, when it comes to fossil fuel subsidies, uh, we uh, in Sweden, we have now a climate climate action framework and we see that uh, it's coming into politics more and more how we can uh, eliminate those subsidies so uh, in in every front I think Sweden is uh, uh, Sweden can be claimed a global leader in in climate action and sustainability action where we see that uh, politics and society are kind of working hand in hand um, uh, to address those challenges um, Regarding where I lived before, well, I grew up in Bangladesh, um, 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 and I, I left pretty early, actually, uh, 11 years ago. And back then, I'm not sure how much concerned I was regarding those problems. It's all a matter of um, uh, you mature with the with the perception of the problems. But um, when I visited in between, I I saw that um, 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 talking about Bangladesh in in, in particular, that um, many um, sustainability transformation or transition happened implicitly that we often don't uh, don't acknowledge probably or actually there are lessons that we can learn uh, for example Bangladesh is the is the first country in the world that uh, legislatively banned plastic bags and plastic products uh, so I think that was I'm talking about back in 2000 so um, that was way before well how well it was man, uh, maintained um, uh, or how successful it got eventually um, I can't show statistics about that. Of course, there are problems there, but still it's, uh, it's the very first example that we can uh, legislatively ban something that is harmful for the environment or harmful, harmful or inhibiting achieving sustainability. Um, um, something also very critical that Bangladesh uh, made this transition from, um, uh, from diesel fuel to natural gas. Well, it's still not completely fossil fuel free, but uh, still is reducing uh, the fossil fuel related emissions substantially. You, you know, the natural gas is way more cleaner than the other form of uh, fossil fuels like petroleums. Um, yeah, and when we look at the, the consumption pattern in general, particularly regarding food, still uh, um, uh, I'm, I'm very proud to say that Bangladesh uh, hasn't been infected with the industrialization of uh, food production yet, not, not yet. Still, food are regionally grown locally grown with uh, limited pesticides, uh, pesticide application and um, a limited um, 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 chemical fertilizer. Um, uh, and uh, many, of the, many of the climate solutions that we talk about are actually are already getting implemented there. And we also know that Bangladesh is, um, is one of the least contributors to this global warming problem. So um, um, things are happening there. Of course, there are other problems. Uh, what makes the country very vulnerable uh, of the climate change impact like sea level rise, but also in terms of hunger and poverty and all the other sustainability challenges that we, uh, the humanity is facing nowadays. Um, I also lived um, uh, quite a while in Germany, uh, almost six years, and in Portugal one and a half years. Um, well, there are certain differences, but I think the European countries that are quite at the forefront in general in addressing those sustainable, sustainable, sustainability challenges and sustainable development goals. Uh, 
um, 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 the the progress that happened. Um, um, well, yeah, it's it's hard to compare among among the countries uh, when I talk about the European countries, but we see that. Uh, progress made at certain front, but of course, and um, 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 the important point is here that the countries sh should also learn from each other and from from their strengths. But there are certain differences between Germany and, and Sweden, for example. In Germany, it's very, um, um, the organic products, for example, so you have supermarkets that only sell organic products, locally grown products, which you don't have in Sweden. Uh, well, there is one in Stockholm, um, um, but it's not that widespread, let's say. It's more of a, uh, so the, that's the thing. But um, him, in Germany, it's more of a, uh, it's more the societies, like, like the bottom-up um, uh, initiatives that are kind of coming at the forefront. Whereas in Sweden, is uh, uh, we have strong policies here that can actually drive those actions into the society. So um, sort of like it's a, um, um, it could be a good, good, uh, good complement, complementary approach actually. If kind of both kind of come at the forefront, and if those two countries are are learning from each other. If we go big back of um, your the projects that you're working on and that you have done, which one, yeah, would you highlight uh, that are uh, to share with the listeners of our podcast? Um, I think the most relevant one would be the world in twenty fifty. So that's a project from the uh, United Nations Sustainable Development Solutions Network, SDSN. And uh, it's hosted in the International Institute for Applied uh, System Science, uh, IASA, in, in, in Vienna, Austria. And uh, um, I got involved into this project since 2016 when I was working for Stockholm Resilience Center and Stockholm University. Uh, which, is a, which is a partner and is still continue working with this. Um, so the, the um, the aim of this project is basically to develop those pathways for sustainability transformation. So how can we transform our societies and um, 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 and the way societies work uh, into into fashions to to achieve the sustainable development goals by by 2030? Um, uh, we have been releasing reports since uh, 2016 to the High Level Political Forum. Um, uh, updating that, the, the last report was actually addressing the, the, the pandemic, the current pandemic, and how can we use this pandemic as an opportunity for sustainability transformation. So um, this is, um, uh, I think that would be the most relevant one. But I'm also the research director of Exponential uh, Roadmap Initiative. Um, so um, this is particularly focusing on the climate change mitigation. And um, the, uh, as it stands for, the project is um, uh, focusing on uh, designing exponential transformation pathways. So basically consolidating uh, climate change solutions and um, in, uh, designing their implementation strategies for halving global emissions by 2030. Um, yeah, I think uh, these are the most relevant ones. But apart from that, I'm involved in uh, many small projects that are related to sustainability transformation and, and um, yeah, climate change mitigation. Where it all started, what was your main motivation to start in this topic for sustainability? Well, that's a long story, but if I say short, like uh, growing up in Bangladesh um, kind of uh, made me aware of many, many environmental problems that I, that I used to encounter 
in my everyday life, to be honest. Um, so um, my uh, back in back in my when I was about to finish my bachelor's, um, my I focused on um, the the problem that was um, kind of posed by the the leather manufacturing industries uh, on the main river streams of the of Dhaka, the, the capital of Bangladesh. And uh, so the um, yeah the pollution was kind of um, since then got into me, and uh, then when I came to Europe to study uh, certain certain techniques, certain tools that actually help you to um, um, yeah extract information in in areas where you have you have little information like Bangladesh for example because of the resource constraints. And that uh, kind of uh, encouraged me to uh, fill the data gap in the in the climate research because um, often those countries like Bangladesh failed to uh, negotiate in the international panels because they couldn't show um, um, enough data that uh, they are impacted, they're vulnerable. So that was one of my motivation. Actually, how can I use those tools that are the tools that I learned to um, to, uh, to help generating those data or fill those data gaps. Um, yeah, so um, one part of my work sort of also because how I grew up um, is basically to address the environmental problems. But uh, then when since I came to Sweden, I, uh, I was lucky to work with um, 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 leading climate solutionists like Johan Rockström uh, was my direct supervisor and I worked for Stockholm Resilience Center and also got in touch with those um, projects that kind of um, 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 kind of um, triggered one of our one of my long yearned um, uh, motivation of understanding societies how societies function and how societies can act and actually that was my first motivation so I have seen enough problems then since then I kind of um, involved myself in understanding how can we solve them and uh, Particularly, how can we solve them by transforming societies, by transforming the way we act, transform, transforming the way we behave? Um, the recent research uh, that I led kind of um, testified my motivation into looking into society because when we looked at um, a range of climate solutions and saw if uh, what we were looking for, if there is a sweet spot where we can maximize the benefit or um, uh, the most easily trigger those solutions, implement those solutions, and and spread their benefit all over, for all over the world. We found that it's basically uh, uh, groups of ten thousand people uh, living in communities, villages, uh, wherever. So communities of ten thousand people actually can uh, be the key of uh, for sustainability transformation and climate change, climate change mitigation. And so that also brings to the problem uh, or brings to the issue of how can we identify those um, those part of the society, those communities of ten thousand people, and and uh, lead them into into such action? So you also talked us a bit about more your personal actions, what you do in everyday life uh, regarding being more sustainable. So would you also um, suggest this to the, our listeners of the podcast that they could do this same, or do you have other uh, suggestions that they could do in their everyday life to be more sustainable, especially with consumption and production? Yeah, obviously, I think um, um, there is a range of activities every individual can do. And uh, this may seem uh, very little, but uh, the impact it has is, is enorm enormous when, when people actually look at the, uh, calculate the impact. And uh, particularly, I'm talking about the impact at a global level. 
on uh, on uh, on climate crisis or the sustainability problems that we are facing today. Um, so yeah, as it can start with simple choices of their uh, travel travel mode that they use to go travel to their uh, to to their work, taking their kids to uh, kindergarten or to schools. Um, and uh, also long distance travels where they where where they are going for holidays and where they are um, uh, where they where they find happiness to be honest um, uh, whatever choices they are making then it of course the daily uh, consumption pattern in terms of in terms of food what are the food choices um, they are having uh, are they are they regionally grown or not are they how are they produced are you choosing organic or not they they are making substantial differences. Um, then yeah, uh, the consumption of electricity, where where they are coming from, um, uh, are you into buying secondhand? Um, not only that, actually. So um, the simple choice of whether you drink coffee or tea could could make a huge difference. The 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 carbon footprint of a cup of coffee is ten times the carbon footprint of a cup of tea. So uh, this is also something that very simple and easy easy choices that we make but uh, can make a substantial difference if you if you sum them up and uh, collectively the society the way the choices they're making in terms of consumption and and uh, and uh, and production that would uh, make a, a vital difference in my opinion so besides these key points also what you uh, mentioned before one or other would be really to spread knowledge and uh, talk about this topic and uh, spread yeah more awareness right yeah, that's uh, that's actually vital, and um, it's from the very beginning, and it should start actually from the from the primary schools. Um, uh, we saw more and more evidence that uh, the climate education is really really vital in this case. So we should uh, the next generation that is entering the uh, workforce uh, very soon, they should have this sense of sustainability and uh, have this sense of what's happening in terms of climate change from the very beginning when they start education. Um, uh, but it should also, and we also also seen uh, evidence that um, uh, kids, what they're learning from school actually can, uh, with that they can influence their parents as well. We saw uh, kids that are participating in the Fridays for Future movements actually also manage to influence their parents into transforming mm -hmm. into sustainability. So there are many, many fronts where we should um, make this a uh, priority of making this information flow, making people aware. Um, um, a very simple example, like uh, still many would argue that fossil fuels are cheap and that's why um, uh, that makes a, a reasonable option to go for, right? But um, if you think about it, why fossil fuels are so cheap? Because they're heavily subsidized and um, the International Monetary Fund uh, claimed in several reports actually if you take those subsidies out to, uh, to fossil fuels, actually the price would increase by a factor of four and uh, that is excluding the externalities it has on on health on on accidents um, so uh, so this is the fact so the 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 thing is um, this information that the, the, the subsidy is making the price cheaper what I'm saying so what you are paying currently for a for a for petroleum per liter of petroleum actually you would pay four times more if it the subsidy was not uh, in the background. So this is sort of the information that makes your choice. So, uh, and that can make this huge transition of mobilizing those uh, subsidies from 
fossil fuel sector to renewable energy and can actually boost renewable renewable energy production yeah i think we're already not aware of it like where the subsidies go and why is a product so cheap and uh, where yeah does it come from Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i have a connected question to this because about minimalism it's also maybe an aspect of sustainability Mm -hmm. because if you buy less cheap things but more um or more expensive but only some of them it would be maybe better just buying a lot of clothes um a lot of cheap clothes and so a lot of people say yeah minimalism that's the new thing for sustainability what's your opinion about this that really depends on the um definition of minimalism what mm-hmm. are you doing it is certainly the overconsumption or uh, um exaggerated consumption and uh, or um unnecessary consumption like uh, um uh, triggered through this um you know big sales like the black friday and other events is uh, is notorious obviously um but uh having minimalism doesn't necessarily mean that you need to go for expensive stuffs or you need to um um good stuffs obviously and probably good stuffs always cost more but um it's actually um more of more of optimizing so consuming what you really need and um not superfluously not um and at the same time when you are consuming make sure that um um you're consuming something environment friendly and also when you are done with consuming that you are disposing it uh environment friendly so um um that includes uh buying second hand or uh donating this clothes so that someone else can use probably that's not su- suitable for you anymore and uh and also you could if you could recycle it recycle it you need to minimize but minimize sensibly and uh really have the concept of sustainability and ideal consumption environment friendly consumption and uh, sustainable consumption behind your head what would be your last uh, unsustainable action so that our listeners feel also a bit less guilty maybe <laughs> <laughs> yeah that that happened today i just drove to the university with the fossil fuel <laughs> car i could have taken the bike but then i realized um the weather looks a bit bit hazy today i may i may get wet but um on the way back i need to pick up my kid from the kindergarten so i can i can combine that but yeah i did reduce i did emit a certain amount of um carbon dioxide uh, greenhouse gases that will stay probably thousands of years in the atmosphere so <laughs> the guilt yeah. is right there we have a final question before leaving um what do you think will be the decisive factor in making our planet more sustainable well if it's a single decisive factor i would say that what you mentioned uh is the individual action um so every individual need to step up and um step up with with consciousness what uh w- and be aware of what they can do and be um uh be uh accountable responsible of their action of their consumption and also make sure that they have access to the information of uh what um uh what they can do and also to make sure they understand the problem what is what is what is out there i think that would make a lot of difference and um when it comes to the 
comes to the policy, uh, comes to the politics, um, or comes to the global leaders, there my um, um, art would be that please um, uh, prioritize actions that are taken at community level and at, um, if possible, even, even individual level and uh, make sure that every individual is, is aware of the problem and uh, decentralize your action. Put your, put your forces into more bottom-up and uh, localized projects than um, striving for um, uh, national, national level, centrally uh, coordinated, um, top-down top -down projects. They are certainly important. I'm not, I'm not discouraging them, but it's, uh, when it comes to setting priority, I would say the communities where, and the, the actual, uh, the people on the ground is where the sweet spot lies for uh, solving these major problems you're facing today. Yeah, okay. Thank you so much for today. Thanks um, for being here with you. us. Thanks yeah, for having me. It's really an honor to hear you talking and uh, yeah, we're all ears. So um, yeah, is there maybe a way to read your work studies you've done? Yeah, I, um, my work is, uh, yeah, it's openly available. You could access my um, my work through the university page. Um, um, I have my personal website and the information is also given there. Um, a, a Facebook page would be up and running in, in, in a short time. And um, 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 yeah, I, I think so. I, I don't think there is a single source that I can point to, but the university page could be a could be a good information source and uh, probably something relevant for this group that I have recently um, um, started involving myself in a project taken in the local communities here in Forshaga and, and Mungforsh. Uh, I'm helping them in designing their uh, climate action plan but that involves of course many of the other SDGs as well and how can these uh, local communities um, shape their their action into, into achieving the sustainable development goals locally. Um, and yeah, so information can be found on, on those uh, municipal pages as well. So um, yeah, I'm okay. I'm all available. Okay, thanks you, thank yeah. you, thank you, thank you. Then Bye. this is it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thank you all for listening to this episode of Acting for Sustainability. You can find us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and also on our webpage for more information. And we would love to hear from you for any suggestions and ideas. So see you very, very soon. soon.